Hello, everyone. It's Jerry at the Fledge, and welcome to episode or season two, episode fourteen of Every Damn Day. And we will get to my guest in a second, but just uh, want to mention we've got a pretty light weekend uh, happening at the Fledge. There's a MLK food drive that I think some MSU students are helping out or helping to happen tomorrow. Uh, so looking forward to seeing what's happening there. And then Sunday we have our drum circle. So anybody who might want to come and uh, bang on a drum a little bit for therapeutical reasons, uh, come on out. And definitely make sure you check our calendar, thefledge.com slash events, so that you can see if we move it to online or we cancel it because of COVID. So we are tightening up because of COVID. Uh, we hope you're all being safe. Get vaccinated. Keep wearing your masks. We can get rid of this. It's going to peak soon. And this could be the year that it ends but we got to work we got to work at it so uh enough preaching about that right now let me bring on our great friend don how you doing don hi jerry so uh i i know i'm probably gonna even compound the problem more but you send a lot of people to our show i almost introduced (laughs) you as our co-producer oh thank you Uh, thank you yeah (laughs) uh, but i don't want to give you that responsibility uh but thank you so much for being such a great supporter of us. Well, thanks for being such a great part of the community, Jerry. It's kudos to you. Um, you and I have learned so much about so many people and things and groups and organizations and ideas in our community just from watching this every damn day. So if I can send people your way that I think are interesting, that would be a good interview, then yay. That's teamwork, right? I think that, yes, it is. And thank you. Um, I think that we definitely proved our hypothesis that everybody has an expertise in something. Yep. They have an interesting story. And I, I like the show for that. I like uh, I do too. the I'm direction a big, it's gone. Yeah, I'm a big fan of people's stories. I love I love hearing people's stories. I love, I'm the kind of person, like if I'm out in public, I'll look at people and be like, what's their story? You know, like trying to think what, what's going on. So um, I'm definitely all about learning about people, learning about their stories, what makes them who they are, how did they get to where they are and just, and learning new ideas. Um, There's so many things I've learned just by watching every damn day that I had no idea about before. So thank you for opening that up to me and everybody else. Well, let's uh, let's take all those things you just said and flip them back at you. Okay, What's your story. I'm ready. <laughs> What's my story? Yeah. Um, I let's see where where do we start? I was born in Chicago, grew up in Southwest Michigan here in St. Joe, and then moved to the Lansing area to go to Michigan State University, and then I never left. So I've been here for 30 years. I'm dating myself there. I've been here for at least 30 years now, um, and I have I'm on my fourth career which I feel like encompasses all of the other careers that I've had before and that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. So I'm currently the director of development at Ellie's Place Capital Region. Uh, Just before that position, I was the events and outreach coordinator, but I've been an Ellie's Place volunteer since the mid nineties. And I was also a participant in their young adult grief support group back in about 97 or so. And uh, I just feel like I said, everything has led me to where I am now. And Love and life. And I'm a current empty nester, recently an empty nester. So this is a new a new thing too. 
But you know how, you know how that is. <laughs> yes. Uh, it. Yeah, we had the Band-Aid ripped off uh, all in one week. Our yeah, son bought a that... house and moved, and Raven moved oh, to Galley. That's a lot, yeah. But you're filling the house with plants. I, <laughs> I am. I've become a plant mom. I think I have now at least 11 in the last, but we're just talking like in the last six months or so, four yeah. months, three months. I, they just, they're coming to me. And they have names and, you know, they all have interesting pots that they're in. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not the same thing as like a cat lady, is it? No, no, okay. I'm, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> uh, let's go back to Ellie's place. A bit. Yeah. What, tell us about Ellie's place if there's someone out there that doesn't know about it. Right. And, you know, there are a lot of people when I mention Ellie's Place or when people hear Ellie's Place, people are like, oh, yeah, I've heard of Ellie's Place, but not everybody knows exactly what we do. So we provide grief support groups to children and teens and young adults right here in the Capital Region. Uh, we just celebrated our 30th anniversary. So we have been around, you know, 30 years since 1991, helping over 31,000 individuals right here in our community uh, as they cope with grief. And so it has been, um, it started off as a grassroots project and it has turned into, we now have four branches throughout the state. We are the headquarter kind of, you know, flagship. We're the first ones here um, in the capital region, but we also have a branch in Ann Arbor, Flint and Grand Rapids. And so what we do is we have grief support groups weekly for children ages three through 18 and teens, and then young adults ages 18 to 26. And any adult who brings a child to group can also participate in an adult support group as well. Um, do you want me to break down how that looks? What the sure. groups are like? Okay. Yeah. So our groups for the kids are split by ages. So we have like pre preschool, kindergarten group, early elementary, upper elementary, middle school, high school, and then this young adult group that's 18 to 26 year old, which is also a very important age for grief support. Definitely an important age. You're, you know, 18 to 26, you're that college age. Um, you're, you know, maybe in college, maybe starting your careers, maybe starting your families, just buying a house, what all of those different things. And you're still a kid, you're still grieving. Yeah. And chances are most of your peers have not experienced the death of a parent or sibling or close, you know, someone close to them at that age. And so that's an important group that we have as well. Um, so our groups are split by ages and then our adult groups are split by type of loss. So one question we get is, do we provide grief support for adults? And we do, but the adult has to be bringing a child to our building for support. So if their kid is in one of our kid groups, then the adult can be in one of our adult groups. They run at the same time. And our adult groups are split up by type of loss, the adult's relationship to the person who died. So it's either spouse or partner loss group, child loss, other significant loss, or we also have a suicide loss group that meets on Monday nights. Yeah. When you said uh, types of loss, I was thinking you were like the, the cause of death almost I was I had in my mind. Yeah. But that made me think of a question. Yeah. Have you seen how there's a dynamic of why kids come to, for grief, why they're in, why they're grieving? Have you seen that change over the years? Is We have. We have. And one question we do get asked is what type of grief? Is it loss of a pet? Is it, hey, I'm grieving. My kid is grieving a divorce situation. Our support groups are for children and teens and young adults who are grieving the death of someone close to them. So family, friend, coach, teacher, whatever. But um, yes, there we have seen some changes in time and we've seen more overdose deaths and um, some, you know, some tragic deaths and some overdose deaths. And um, 
you know, in this last year and a half, we've seen people who have experienced, you know, someone that they know who's died by COVID due to COVID. Yeah. So, and that grief is isolating and that whole extra layer of pandemic right now where people have felt isolated by having to be at home, not being able to have the ceremonial, you know, memorials or funerals, yeah. or maybe see the person before they died. That has really changed things in the last couple of years, as far as how people grieve and their and need did, for support. And did you have a lot of restrictions that for health and safety on your side? So the need was going up and your ability to be that in-person connection was going down. Yes and no. I'm going to brag about our incredible staff right now. So we have on our staff seven bereavement coordinators, and those are social workers. And so what they do is they work with families who call in. And what they were able to do, Jerry, is they were able to take our in-person program. Like I said, our groups meet um, weekly. It's an hour, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights. And they were able to transform that into a virtual session. So all of our groups, instead of meeting in person, were able to meet online. And it really was successful. It really, especially for the newer people who were coming in to the group who hadn't been in our in-person groups, I think they really felt comfortable because that's what they knew. Um, yeah. But now we're back to some in-person. We're still offering limited virtual groups too, for those people who might still feel more comfortable you know, yeah. doing it, doing the groups virtually. But even though that we're back at our building, we do have restrictions in place right now, but really it hasn't stopped us from being able to have the group. It just, we had to pause for a minute. We had to figure out, you know, reevaluate how to do things that were safe for our families, for our volunteers, for our staff, and we were able to make it work. So, Well, thank you for making it work. Cause well, yeah. you know, there's another question and it's going to seem I think the answer seems obvious, but I'm going to ask this question anyways, because okay. I, I think we need to say it out loud. Why is it, is it important for children to get help grieving? Uh, where to start, Jerry? We know that, first of all, statistics show that one in 12 children here in the state of Michigan are going to experience the death of a parent or sibling by the age of 18. That does not include grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, neighbors, coaches, teachers, friends, whatever. That number makes it more like one in five, one in six. So kids are experiencing grief. What happens if you hold that in? First of all, kids don't have the same coping skills as adults. By the time we're adults, we've we've learned how to deal with most of the time. We've learned how to deal with some things. We've had some experiences happen. And kids, this is new to them. You know, They haven't had this experience of grief before. So when this comes to them and they're trying to figure out how to grieve, it's important that we let them grieve. Some kids know or feel that they can't talk at home about the person who died because it might make other people sad. We know that you can't just hold that in. We know it's important to say that person's name. We know it's important to share your feelings and emotions and to work through them. Some kids can't talk at school about their grief because other kids don't understand. They just don't get it. And, you know, they might say, why are you still talking about this? Why are you still sad? And we know that it's so important to offer that safe space for kids to be able to grieve. We know that unresolved grief in kids and, you know, we're looking at that data will result, could result in risk-taking behaviors, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, truancy, lots of ways for kids to try to fill that emptiness and to try to heal that, that grief that's inside of them, where when they come to Ellie's place, when they come to a support group, 
and they're with other kids the same age going through similar situations, they feel like they're not alone. And so they can learn to cope with and they get some skills and some strategies to cope with that grief. And like I said, they're not alone. Other people get it. What we do at Ellie's Place is we talk about the person who died. We share memories. We talk about feelings, emotions, and ways to cope with them. I love that. The mask. Can oh, I didn't bring, that? I didn't That's bring okay. that one, Terry. I brought That's other a, stuff with me to oh, show you, but I didn't well, let, bring a mask. <laughs> let me uh, let me love something else. Let's okay. see some tools. So, and then I got a couple of questions. Okay. So the thing that you were talking about is our inside outside mask. And I'll just explain that. It's, it's made out of cardboard. It's an actual like, it looks like a mask. And on the outside, kids, one of the activities that we do. So during our it's an hour long each night, our group. So during that time, our volunteer facilitators, and let me give a shout out to our amazing facilitators. We have about 25 facilitators, volunteers per night at our building. Um, and when we do our online as well, who help us facilitate these groups. And we wouldn't be able to do it without our volunteers. All of our support groups, the kids support groups have three to four trained volunteer facilitators in that group to support the kids. Um, so one of the activities that they do, and they've got all kinds of really cool activities, is this inside-outside mask. So it's a cardboard mask, and it's plain on the outside, and kids can are encouraged to write what it is that you see. When you look at them, you know, I'm brave, I'm strong, I'm happy, I'm, you know, all these things. But then also on the inside of it to write down what it is that you're really feeling on the inside. I'm scared, I'm alone, I'm sad, I'm worried, I feel guilty, like all of these things. And first of all naming the emotions and feelings is a big important thing like how do you understand it if you don't even know the names for for what it is that you're feeling and then secondly when you look and see that other people are feeling the same way on the inside that you're feeling but they're holding it in and that's not what they're showing you know that's a pretty powerful activity and i think that's that's why you liked this it really is powerful yeah. here's one that i will show though um especially around the holidays when there's that empty seat at the table, how do you acknowledge that? What do you do to make it feel like, you know, it, it's sad. It really is sad, especially the first time that you're going through holidays and you have that place where the person who died always sat. So here's an example of um, one activity. And this is just a little memorial plate. And I, you know, you can just make this at home, just take a paper plate and you can just decorate it with things that remind you of that person. So this is just an example, you know, laughing, flowers, tacos, music, shopping, sunshine, dog, getting nails painted. And so that is something that can represent your person when you put it at the table. Um, another activity is this one is a monster chaser. And it's just, you know, toilet paper tubes and some felt and some markers. But on here it says, go away, monster. And we know that kids tend to have nightmares if they're holding those feelings in and, um, we do a lot of reading. We read a lot of books in our groups. And this goes along with a, a book about, you know, nightmares or monsters. And so this is simple that you just put some beads inside of it and give kids that power to be able to shake that at night if they're having a tough time falling asleep. And it helps to chase the monsters away. But giving kids control over their emotions and their feelings and letting them know it's normal to feel these things. And at least as we say at Ellie's Place, all feelings are okay. All feelings are okay. And they're all valid, right? Yes, some, they are. Yep. Don't be sad. You know, people say that to each uh, other. Don't you're supposed to be sad. <laughs> it is It is a sad thing. I know I'm smiling while I'm saying it, but I'm really passionate about the work that we do. It is okay to be sad. It's normal to be sad. Um, it's also okay to be happy and sad at the same time. So 
that's important for people to understand all feelings are okay. And you can feel more than one feeling at the same time. Yeah. How, so I imagine that there is, there's a lot of kids that um, aren't exposed to your program. And I, mm -hmm. I'm not saying anything. I know that you guys work very hard to have mm -hmm. a large reach and be very accessible. How, how could we in the community maybe help to, you know, maybe even destigmatize? Maybe people think it's therapy. Maybe people think it's counseling. And I guess it right. is. Mm -hmm. um, but can we destigmatize? I'm worried about these kids that don't have anybody to talk to or they don't. Yeah. You know, how can we help with that? That's a really good question. First of all, just learn more about what we do. And I'll, if I can share our social media real quick, we are on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. We have an amazing Pinterest page, which I don't know how many people use oh, Pinterest really? these days. Our Pinterest page, that's one thing that came out of the pandemic is that we rebooted that. Um, and it has links to so many different activities and thoughts and information about grief and death. And so that is great. But we're on all the different social media platforms at Ellie's Place Capital Region. So if you want to put that in the chat, Ellie's Place Capital Region. Thank you. Ellie's Place Capital Region. And our website is elliesplace.org. And there's a ton of information on that as well. But it is right, right. One L. One L. And we didn't really talk about this. Ellie's Place is named after Ellie Stover, who's a real person uh, who died in... 1989 at the age of 11 months and it was her family and the her mom betsy was part of the junior league of lansing and they're the ones who really started everything that we have now they started in the basement of a church and it grew and grew but ellie also stands for it's not just a name but it also stands for embrace loss effectively embrace loss effectively that's exactly what we help people to do but I think I didn't really answer your question. I'm sorry. No, I, no, I think it's uh, well that, learning. Yeah, that's, that's one resource is for people to follow us online, get to know more about us, but also to let other people know, hey, this organization exists. I will be happy to give a tour to anyone who wants to come see our building. And anyone who, who knows about Ellie's Place, but then comes to our building has the exact same reaction. When we walk them down the halls of our program wing, everybody goes, oh. I had no idea. I had no idea it was this, all of this, because it really is, it's amazing and impressive what, what we have set up there. We have a building, it's kind of set up with classrooms that are the group rooms for everybody, but it, it really is um, a wonderful program. And if anybody wants to come learn more by taking a tour of our building, I would be happy to, you know, just reach out to me at, um, give us a call at Ellie's Place. But we do have bereavement coordinators on staff who not only help families get into our programs. You know, they meet with families, they talk to families, fill out the paperwork. Oh my gosh, Jerry, the most important thing I forgot to mention, all of our services are free. Yeah. Absolutely free for families. I should have started with that. Absolutely free for families, thanks to the generosity of our community. But as I was saying, our bereavement coordinators also just do phone consultations. If anybody in the community has questions about grief, we are the grief experts. We're the ones that you can turn to, to just ask about grief. Even if you're not coming to our groups, you can still call and ask. And that might be helpful to somebody in the community who, who can't come to our groups. But 
we do offer groups at schools. We partner with local schools. Just this fall, we were at um, 12 different schools. We had groups in 12 different schools, and these are middle schools and high schools, where we take one of our staff members or clinicians and partner with the school counselor and have a group right on site at the school itself. And that's usually 10 to 10, 11 kids or so at the school. And then we have another 10 um, schools that are lined up for this coming session. Those are eight week sessions. Our groups at our building are pretty much open-ended. Families can come as many weeks, months as they feel it's helpful to them. Uh, usually eight, nine, 10 months is about the average. And then we have people who come to our groups for a few years. So once again, gonna, it's, it's all free. I was going to ask about that is, you know, if, if your parent dies when you're 12, then you've got a, you need help being a 12 year old whose parent died, but you turn 15 and now you're a 15 year old who lost a parent is some, does that have to go on for years and years and years or we, do you give them skills to? We, we give them skills. And when we talk to people who have gone through our support groups, they will say, oh, what I learned in Ellie's place helped me, whatever. But we also have, and it, this is available to our families too, we have kids, just like you said, who will come maybe shortly after their person dies and come for a while. But then they're going through other, you know, those monumental times in life, those changes, those, you know, you, you hit a certain developmental level, whatever, and you start thinking and processing that grief a little differently. Kids will come back to Ellie's place and join a group again. Once again, free. And is it ever too late? Like, if no, you oh, no. Five years ago? Never too now, late. No. Yeah. No. So, how can we help? Educate uh, ourselves. LG, we, educate we yourselves. Can, Come we take can it donate. To you can donate time, talent, and treasure. That's what we say. You can donate your time. As I said, we have about 25 volunteers each night that help us facilitate our groups and that greet families. Um, we need volunteers for our events. I used to be an event volunteer and now I'm a staff member, um, which is our events are really fun. We have Ellie's Race. That's a big one. You can participate in that either as a volunteer or as a walker runner. That is going to be July 23rd at Jackson National Life Insurance Company. Uh, so donate your time, your talent. We have people who are, you know, if you're good at painting, if you're good at landscaping, let us know. And we'd love to have you come and help us at our building. And then treasure, of course, we, you know, we need funds, we need funds to support what we do. We, uh, we get grants, we work with corporate partners here in the community, we've got a lot of great corporate partners, um, a lot of individual donors, third party donors, we've got people who hold fundraising on our behalf, um, you know, individuals. So that's another way I think uh, it's easy to love LA's place for lots of different reasons. Yeah, I think so too. I really feel like not just because I work there, but um, I also have experienced grief. Are we gonna are we gonna start this conversation here, Jerry? Um, we, we can if you'd like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my uh, yeah, my parents both died young, and I went. I, I wish that I would have had Ellie's place after my dad died when I was nineteen. I had I was a sophomore in college, and. Um, that is a tough age. So I'm really excited to know that we have groups for that age range, that yeah. that 18 to 26, when you're still a kid, but yet you don't have anybody else really going through the same thing as you and you need support. You need to know that you're not alone. And then my mom died when I was 26. So after my mom's death, I was already volunteering for Ellie's Place and I decided to take part in their young adult group. So not only have I 
volunteered for years and really gotten to know what the program is and how we do it. I was actually involved in being in one of the programs. I was in the young adult group and then now working there, I can just see what an asset it is to our community and how helpful it is. And like I said, we've helped over 31,000 individuals in the 30 years that we've been around. Yeah. And, you know, I, the, I first saw Ellie's place flyer in a funeral home uh, yeah. because I was uh, there for my daughter. Uh, she had passed away and she left for young kids. And I don't think they ever came to Ellie's place, though I've been trying to get that, make that happen for a while. Um, that's why I'm kind of asking, is it ever too late? It's never. No, nope, like it's that. not. It's not. And on our website, there are, when you go on there and, and you kind of, look to see there's some drop down tabs, but there's information for parents, there's information for teachers, there's information on all different ways to talk about grief, to talk about certain, you know, certain things. And I think you and I were talking about this before we even got started today. People don't like to talk about death. People don't like to right. talk about grief, but it's very important to talk about. You can't hold that in. It's going to affect everybody in your life. You know, at some point, or another, you will know someone who dies. And the way that you deal with that, especially if you're a kid, is important. And that's why we're here to help our, our grieving community. I, I wish I had my card deck of my creative dying prompts. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did not, I don't have that yet. That That is a good, um, I went to the online version and I looked at, looked yeah. at those. And those are some important questions and stuff. Uh, I can't think of any of them right now, but that's all right. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that, you know, when we, we look at suicides have gone up in the last few years because of mm -hmm. COVID in our community, we've experienced a lot. Um, gun violence has caused mm -hmm. uh, murders and then overdoses, like we were talking about before those three things in themselves have all this stigma, right? You don't, they do. They don't, nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to look it in the face. And then when it's just death in general, nobody wants to look at that. How, how can we help? Like, I, I remember when we lost somebody that, and she must've been, you know, in her early twenties mm -hmm. and all the whole, all the kids in the community were just crushed. Mm -hmm. I never thought like they could come mm -hmm. for help. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. It doesn't have to be a family member who dies to come get support services at Ellie's place. It's the, you know, it's the death of anyone who is in your life, who's important to you. If you're grieving that loss, then you can come to get support at Ellie's place. So yes. And so just asking people, how are you? If you know that they've experienced the death of someone, how are you to say the person's name? You know, I'm sure that you're missing what, you know, whoever it is, I'm sure that you're missing them. Do you want to share some stories? Do you want to talk about that? Do you want to tell me, um, you know, how was that person important to you? Do you want to share something fun that you did with that person? So letting somebody who's grieving, especially a kid, letting them be able to talk about that person is very important. But we, you know, one thing that we like to say is say their name, say the person's name. That person was important and they deserve to not just be forgotten. They deserve to have their name said. Yeah. The, uh, where do people go when they're 27? Where do 55-year-olds go? <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, we get those phone calls 
regularly too, Jerry. And so what our bereavement coordinators have come up with is a list of other support. So if our, if our programming isn't what's going to help you or your family, our bereavement coordinators can refer you to some other resources in our community. Because there are groups, some groups for adults that, um, that we can refer to. And there's some online groups and there's, uh, you know, things that, that our bereavement coordinators know about that can best direct you to where you might be able to find some help. Okay. Um, and by you, go, I mean anybody, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to I go back to you for a second. You said okay. you've been doing this for 30 years or... Ellie's Place? You said, yeah. Ellie's I mean, Place, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I've been in, I would say, me 30 years. I've, I've lived in the area for 30 years, but yeah, Ellie's Place yeah. has been around for 30 years. Yeah, and then you've been working with Ellie's Place since 98, you said? Well, Or no, when I, you participated? I participated. Yeah. I started yeah. working. So like I said, I'm on my like fourth career now my, where I'm supposed to be in life. But um, back in the mid nineties, I worked in radio. I was on the air. I was mm. in radio. And so I joined Ellie's place as doing like helping with their public relations and communications. And then I stayed along and did some other volunteering with them. But um, I forget, where was I going with this? What well, was the... <laughs> here's my question. You've Where's been your, doing yeah. this for a long time. Yeah. You must see just heartbreaking stories every day. There are. And how how do you process that? What do you do to make sure you don't absorb everybody's trauma for them? Right. Well, for me, I will say I work on the development side of things. So I'm more of the fundraising and outreach and advocacy. But our bereavement coordinators, we know they're the ones who hear these stories and they they talk they talk amongst each other amongst themselves and make sure that they're OK and work through, you know, that it, it is a sad job sometimes. But it's also a job that brings a lot of hope and joy. But um, one thing I know is that for our volunteers who facilitate the groups at night, because they do hear stories and they do, you know, they do see sadness and they do see tears along with that hope and joy. At the end of every night when our groups are done and the families go home, I know that our volunteer facilitators do have a few minutes to debrief and talk with each other just so they can make sure that they're good before they leave our building for the night. Yeah. But we do, well, we are, we are good on self-care at our building and really trying to build up each other and encourage each other and support each other because we know that especially for our social work team that it is a difficult um, it is a difficult role to have and so we try to do nice things for each other and, and make it a fun and um, uplifting and kind place to work that's great uh, what do we what do we miss I don't know I feel like I talked a lot and talked really fast so <laughs> Well, you covered oh. a lot of things and gave us a yeah. lot of good information. Uh, is there something you want to just no, get I'm, out there? I'm looking at my notes. Just embrace loss effectively. That really is a lot of, of what we are there for. Uh, we are free to families. We are free to the schools that we partner with. I will say this. We um, have recently, just this past couple of months, uh, published a, and I don't have one here with me, a student grief manual. So a few of our bereavement coordinators wrote this manual to be able to offer to our partnering schools. It's 67 pages long, and it's just filled with so much information for schools because oftentimes, and you know, with Shannon being a teacher, we know that kids are coming to school and that's where they are every day. And it's usually the teachers, the counselors, those are the ones who get to see kids and sometimes can tell that there's things going on in the kids' 
outside of school life, you know, their home life, and that they might be grieving. So if we can offer up some help to our schools, that is a great way for us to be able to lift them up and show them some support while they're trying to support their students. Yeah. Well, thank you so very, very much for the work that you do in making our community better, making our kids stronger, uh, building a future that is going to be better for all of us. So I appreciate you very much. Don. Thank you. And thank you for giving me the opportunity again to just talk and share and encourage people. Like I said, if you would like to, can we throw my email address in there? Can you sure. throw my, okay. It's D H A D D A D at elliesplace.org. If anyone wants to reach out to me, I would love to give you a tour, show you around, show you a little bit more about what we do at our building. Um, and if you have ideas of how you'd like to share your time, talent, and treasure, we can talk about that. Um, and if you need, if there's someone here who needs grief support, please call. Can we throw our number in there too, Jerry? Sure. It's 517, I'm putting you to work, 517-482-1315. 4821315. And you will just ask to speak with one of our bereavement coordinators and just say that you have questions about our, our groups that we offer or questions about grief and someone will be able to talk to you and give you information, resources, and the help that you need if you're grieving. Thank you so very much. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's a wrap. I will see you tomorrow and everyone every damn day. And we love you all very much. Talk to you later.